you are cordially invited to the manor in the woods, where an evening of discussion is being held by the O'Brien siblings. Catherine, the encyclopedia, Carolyn, the bookworm, Madeline, the wild card, and Mackenzie, the eclectic. Join them in the study where there will be talk of murder, robbery, deception, and conveniently cloaked figures. So get cozy, pour yourself a cuppa, and join us for mostly murder. But sometimes not. Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mostly Murder, But Sometimes Not. I am your host today, my name is Carrie, I'm joined by my siblings, three, here they are. I'm Katie. I'm Maddie. And I'm Mac. Great. I like that siblings three. I know, I was like, I kind of want to do a little- Siblings three does- Yeah. Like, we should be standing on a ledge while Robin Hood just straight up mugs a dude. (laughs) Oh, I was thinking trolls under a drawbridge. I was thinking witches. I was thinking Thor. I was oh. thinking Trolls World Tour. Oh. Put it all together. Oh. What, what do you, you get? got? Are a really uh, confusing movie, but it's <laughs> cool. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um. So we for this episode we are uh, discussing Inspector Morse, the first episode of the first series. It's called. Death at Jericho? The death of Jericho. The dead at Jericho of Jericho. The dead of Jericho. I have it on my notes. <laughs> um, okay. So I have stolen this from Wikipedia, this summary. Let's go for it. Anne Stavely, a fellow chorister and romantic interest of Morse, is found hanged at her home in Jericho. Presumed to be suicide, Morse isn't so sure and investigates, despite not initially being assigned to the case. Okay, I'm sorry. What? Don't hate me. What happened? I watched the wrong thing. (laughs) 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 It's finally happened! You hitmaned it! What did you watch? Wait, what did you watch? Midsummer Murders? You're joking. No, I was like in the car and I was like, oh, I hope I can sign into Prime Video. And then I did. And I just saw like, oh, this was the most recently watched thing. This must be. I didn't even realize. I'm realizing now. I've been watching Midsummer Murder. Yeah, I I just watched the episode you just watched, apparently. (laughs) Wait a minute. Are we going to have. Are we going to have a. A point five episode where we also have two people just have a conversation about a Midsummer Murders episode. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Okay. okay. What? How do we? <laughs> I was like, do you do? want? I was like, do you want me to watch this episode? Because Carrie, I have to admit, I didn't listen to anything you just said. Um. Because you were quietly freaking out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, can I really quickly look up the synopsis and have some sort of uh contribution to this? Um. Is this funnier I'm... if we keep doing it? If we keep going? No, I don't know. Okay, so what is everyone doing for the rest of the day? We know Mac has D and D at five. I have a hard out at five. Right. When do you? When are you usually done? Actually, this time, I do have a hard out for that uh, session as well. 
Maddie, what are you doing tonight at 8.30? (laughs) I can do this. I'm not opposed to starting to record at like 8.45. I'm also good with that. I'm also good with like 8.45. Oh, no. (laughs) Hello, we're back. What feels like mere seconds to you listeners has been hours and hours of our lives. Um, Maddie is caught up now. Let's start it again. (laughs) Anne Stavely, a fellow chorister and romantic interest of Morse, is found hanged at her home in Jericho. Presumed to be suicide, Morse isn't so sure and investigates, despite not initially being assigned to the case. In searching for a suicide note at her home, Morse is apprehended by Sergeant Lewis, beginning their lifelong partnership. Is this sounding familiar, Maddie? Yes, it is. I (laughs) have seen this. Okay, good. Uh, After convincing DCS Strange that he is not involved in Stavely's death and the promotion of DCI Bell to superintendent, Morse takes on the case. It transpires that the suicide note was taken by neighbor George Jackson, who uses its contents to extort money from Alan and Tony Richards, Stavely's former employers. At a gathering of his choir shortly after Anne's death, Morse is introduced to Alan Richards, providing the latter with a cast-iron alibi when Jackson is found to have been murdered at the same time. Morse is distracted by the presence of Oedipus Rex on Stavely's bedside table and theorizes that Ned Murdoch, a local musical prodigy taken under Stavely's maternal care, was the cause of her death. Lewis is sent to follow up whether Murdoch is in fact Stavely's son that she gave up for adoption, and takes fingerprints of both Tony and Adele Richards, but both come to naught. Stavely's son lives in Wales, and neither fingerprints match any taken from the Jackson murder. However, whilst feeding back his findings to Morris in front of the Richards brothers, Lewis inadvertently cracks the case by introducing himself to Alan Richards, revealing that the brothers had previously switched identities to avoid suspicion, and exposing that Alan had in fact killed Jackson to protect his brother and perhaps their firm's reputation. That is the summary that I stole from Wikipedia. (laughs) Thanks, Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, okay. So, this was my first time watching Inspector Morse. What about all y'all? Same. I mean, about the same. Um, I am the outlier. (laughs) I have watched all of Inspector Morse and the sequel series, Lewis. And the prequel series, Endeavor. (laughs) Yes. But I have a confession. I looked it up and I watched all of Morse and Lewis within about a two and a half month period at the end of 2020 when my brain was just kind of fried. So I literally had no memory of almost anything in this episode. And I read through some summaries from other episodes and I was like, I don't remember a lot of any of this. Endeavor is a prequel? So Endeavor, yeah, it's it's a recent show. It's the one that came out last. I was going to say, I, I have heard it, of it. I think we've watched an episode of Endeavor, like, at home. It was on, it's on PBS, like, because I Endeavor first... Endeavor is um, Inspector Morse's first name. Oh. His name is Endeavor Morse. That's what he meant. He made a comment yeah. about his, his name or his parents, uh... 
giving him a bad name and him only yeah. going by Morse. Yeah. It's a joke throughout the show, I do know, um, that he never reveals his first name until I think near the end. And the fact that it's Endeavor, it's because his dad was like named him after the HMS Endeavor, the ship. That sounds But also, right. that's why fans of the show thought it was funny that the prequel series was literally called Endeavor because he hated it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's like a similar explanation to how Usnavi got his name from uh, um, Musical, New York, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hamilton? No. What? Oh, In the, in Heights. the Heights? That's it. Okay. Because his mom like read the words U.S. Navy on a boat and they just said, oh, that's our kid's name now oh okay that's funny that's yeah very similar vibes um yeah but so yeah this i've is seen a it all show. but I, i've i've no it's i remember a... very little i remember the vibes and the the main things but i don't yeah i would okay. like to just say all of these british procedurals with m in the name like midsummer murders inspector morse uh murdoch so, mysteries I mean, that's, that's Canadian. a Canadian, but, you know, whatever, part of the Commonwealth, right? <laughs> yeah, it is yes. still technically part of the Commonwealth. Um, What else? I think that's I'm I definitely thinking. with Maddie on this one where it's like, this feels too familiar. It's just another grumpy old, uh, a grumpy old detective who's kind of removed from most other people, has one small significant flaw a slightly complicated personal life and also just goes through things step at a time. I don't, I, when I started thinking back on this episode, I started thinking, is this how people from other countries see our police procedurals? Like, is there a level of novelty to them about ours? Um, I think people, I mean, we can never truly know what an outsider's perspective of ourselves is, but I think people view american procedurals as like american cowboys you know like doing the stuff and being the cops <laughs> uh, that's, that, no that's straight up true i mean every one of our every one of our procedurals just has some sort of like the cops are good no matter what but when i try to think about how novel we think of yeah. when i think about how novel we think british procedural like village mysteries are there is that aspect where we imbue them with that much more, I don't want to say exoticism, but definitely novelty. Quaintness. Exactly. And so I'm wondering, are people in Britain just used to this? Is that their, is, is Inspector their Morris year? Britain's NCIS New Orleans? <laughs> the Brits have a very specific relationship with detectives and a cozy mystery, which I do think stems from like Agatha Christie and Dorothy Sayers and stuff. But I do know that Morse specifically was very popular because it, there's only 30 episodes of Morse. 33. Okay. Um, but didn't it, it ran, it's like just perpetually in reruns. It's like from, all the time. Yeah. It, uh, I think it went from, yeah, 87 to 2000. Um, and in 2018, so 18 years after it went off the air, the series was named the greatest British crime drama of all time by yeah. Radio Times readers. And then in 2000, it was ranked 42nd on the 100 greatest British television programs compiled by the British Film Institute. So people really yeah. loved it. 
Do you have any other um, like background or tidbit things, Carrie? Um, just like it's really it's funny uh, going through the Wikipedia because there's like overview episodes, blah blah blah, and then one of the other headlines is Morse's interests <laughs> and like props and location, and so like they it's it talks about how he has diverse passions. <laughs> <laughs> so there's uh, opera, um, poetry, art, the classics, but like he's also really into beer. Like there's a pair, there's like this like real quote beer. unquote real beer, which is like a type of beer that's like brewed spe- like a specific way. And then there's like almost no carbonation and it's very English and he likes classic literature and crosswords and stuff his jaguar oh he loves yes the jaguar um that is in the props subheading of okay sorry it's not an interest it's a prop no it starts with the jaguar um actually the only thing in it is the jaguar (laughs) props i was gonna say i cannot think of any specific props other than literally like records and beer and crosswords It says it's a, a Regency Red 1960 Jaguar Mark II, 2.4 liter car. Um, and apparently it's different from the books. But then, like, I think the books were, like, coming out at the same time as the show because the car that he was driving in the books changed to a red Jaguar with no explanation. <gasps> like how James Bond changed guns. Yes. Um, and then after filming ended it was given away in a competition and then in 2002 it was auctioned for uh 53,000 pounds wow and then in 2005 so three years later it was sold again for more than 100,000 pounds so people dang they like Morris and they like the Jag they like I obviously like growing up or like growing up like in high school and college like here starting to watch kind of more British mystery shows I did hear about this show a lot, and I kept putting off watching it because I didn't want to watch another show about a grumpy old man. And Another even, British procedural. Even though I feel like I've watched barely any shows actually with grumpy old men, to be honest. Katie, I feel like we have a, we have a, a grumpy old man blindness where every, almost everything is grumpy old men. Like, I know. We don't blindness. even see it anymore. If, we, yeah. if, I, if, if one of us could like have a... A few minutes to just start looking through our list. I'm pretty sure we could name at least like five or six, even if we're discounting like the famous ones like Sherlock and Poirot. They're so but they're many. not grumpy all the time, and Poirot ages, but he doesn't start out old. Okay, that same one... with Sherlock Holmes is only sixty in his last bow. So maybe if they were happy old men, um, we would love them too much. That's a great show. That's called Pie in the Sky with Richard Griffiths, and I would recommend that's on our list. But but that's a that's a happy old man. Aw, yay. Um, so yeah, interesting. This was... I was curious to know. I will say I don't think this episode is a hundred percent indicative of the show as a whole. I think because he had a personal connection, it changed the vibe a little. Okay. Do we want to talk about, like, Morse himself or just go into the mystery? Because, like you just said, we don't really know him. Well, what do you guys think? Like, how did you, like, discounting the, like, he's a grumpy old man, like, actually talking about the character. I have something to say, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts first. 
I, when I tried thinking about what made him distinguished himself away from all of the other traditionally grumpy old detective characters that we've encountered, the only things that really stick out are, one, I'm pretty sure he has a drinking problem. That was pretty clear. Are you sure? Anytime there was literally yes. Anytime there was a scene where it could have been anywhere, it was at a pub. Half the time, it was because of Morris's suggestion. Several points in the show that pointed out, like, oh, why don't you just go have another beer, Morris? And you know what? That's honestly true. And they're like, uh, oh, yeah. well, you're grumpy unless you have a beer in front of you. They acknowledge that he has a drinking problem. Like, it's yeah. not subtext. Like it's a, it is hey, text. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I'm not, actually, I don't think I'm being clever. I'm just saying that's the thing that sets him apart. It's a big part of Endeavor is him dealing with his drinking in the as a young person. And then he kind of just gives up and drinks. He's but like, then he just um, accepts his drinking as an old person. Well, I will say in the younger version, like it gets really excessive. In this one, it's more like how the English themselves have a culture of binge drinking, which is like a very casual, constant drinking at the at their local. Like it's that's the whole thing with the real ale. It's a very old man thing of like. Your local makes their own beer. It's not carbonated because they make it there, and you go and you drink it. You can make carbonated and you don't even know drinks what it's anywhere. Called. In fact, the episode of Midsummer Murders that I just watched was about a new brewery opening on a opening, and they were making craft beer, and the local real ale society was pissed off. So it was like a fight of the craft versus local beers. Great. So anyway, Mac, yes. I don't know. Hey, hey, look, as somebody who lives in Beer City, USA, as Grand Rapids likes to call it, former Beer that City, can't USA. be your identity. <laughs> well, his identity, I think, is it is more than that. But that's what people who don't know him know him more. Like, no, that's me criticizing British drinking culture. He was he served himself well as a protagonist, but I didn't see as much as I would have liked to set him apart. He really likes music. I think That's it's true, cool that you know. he was in choir. Yeah. The music is a huge part of the show. Like, they use opera. And I don't know if you could hear, like, there's violins or single strings that are used often in the score. I really enjoy the score of the show. And, in fact, a lot of the Endeavor episodes are named after specific operas or arias and stuff. Ooh. And, yeah, I agree. Also, have you guys ever heard of Sacred Harp singing? No, I no. really when I when the show episode first started with the choral singing and it was acapella, I was just like, I love this so much. And it reminded me of sacred harp singing I learned about on that cocaine and rhinestones podcast. And it's basically I feel like it started in the Protestants of like New England, but it became adapted by the American South. But it's singing in four part harmony acapella, but all the people sit together in like a square so, like, all the altos are in this part, and all this like, tenors are over here. And it's, like, apparently an extremely powerful, like, experience to experience it live. It was but anyway, very cool, I think, um, in choir, doing acapella, yeah. singing with many voices, and kind of hearing those chords ring, and... Yeah, you think about the first people who. Sorry, I thought you're done. Pretty much, that was it. I was just saying the first people who like these songs have been sung for centuries, and yeah, 
sacred harp singing like there's obviously still a religious aspect to it but there's also some secular just singing like just getting together and just playing musical pieces it's really fascinating you should look it up it even gives you goosebumps just on youtube but live music yeah i appreciated seeing that in the show and kind of incorporated a couple different pieces yeah i yeah i like there's just something about live music performed well that you cannot replicate acapella well i mean also in any like there's many different types of music yeah that can do that anyway so let's go into this mystery a little bit morse i just have a quick i because we talked about morse and I think we should also talk a little bit about Lewis, even though we didn't really get to know him a whole lot. This is called Inspector Morris, Katie. We're I know. We're not doing but, Lewis. Okay, fine. Can I just say something about Lewis then? Yes, you can. Please do. I appreciate that Lewis knows Morse. He knows his reputation. He knows that he's clever, but unorthodox, I guess is what was said. But he's yeah. also not afraid to be like, dude, I have the kids tonight. I can't just stay and do this bullshit you want me to do. He's very clear. He calls him out to his face about the drinking and all that kind of stuff. And I just really appreciated Lewis being like, I have a life outside of this. And I'm sorry that you don't, but I'm not dealing with you. <laughs> yeah. I Okay. What I love is that he was given roughly the amount of screen time that a quote unquote sidekick would have had. And yet he managed to subvert the feel of a sidekick just because of everything Katie said to him, you know, rejecting just being shoved around and told what to do. He comes to his own conclusions, conclusions that are often right. And he comes to them before Morris does. So yeah, more feels a big more jerk like a about it. Carrie, do you have um, the same question I do? Well, no, I have a few things. First, it is what you were gonna say, Mac. It's not Morris. It's Morse, as in Morse code. Oh, I've been writing a lot of stuff wrong then. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> I when you first said it, I was like, I think maybe I just misheard. Okay. Got it. Yes. Okay, but uh to your point about Lewis, he uh, is portrayed as a character with agency um, within the story. You know, like he he does like with himself versus Morris, but then also the things that his character does affects the story more than a normal sidekick. Like there's the thing with um, the cop who finds the letter inside the fishing rod, the suicide note. <laughs> yeah. Like you, you see him, you know, making decisions and not necessarily maliciously hiding things from Morse, but he's like protecting the cop, you know, um, which he should not have. I mean, no, but that's like, that's like interpersonal departmental politics. It doesn't really have anything to do with the mystery. Yeah. Um, You, I think you pretty much crowned that whole thing with just the word agency. I feel that's just reverberating with me for that's the thing that sets Lewis apart from, say, uh, subpar Watson. Yeah, like because there's the like a Watson character would just be like a sounding board for the the genius mystery solver who's like, wow, you're really great. Or like. I can't believe you solved that or whatever, you know, just like uh like a bouncing <laughs> astonishing. Back. Yes, exactly. Uh but Lewis does his own he has his own stuff, you know. Like Katie said, he 
uh, has boundaries and enforces them. He uh, is the one who solves this case, kind of, because he's like, oh, we haven't met. And then Morse is like, but wait, you took the fingerprints that eliminated this man as a suspect. And he was like, nah. So, <laughs> like, he's not just uh, um, a cardboard cutout. Yeah. Um. One last thing I'd want to say about Morse before we go into the mystery. Mm-hmm. I just appreciate, compared to some other detectives, I appreciate that he's very clever and he puts things together and he's sometimes really certain about things and then he's wrong. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that they let him, like, all, maybe this kind of can go into the mystery, but him, I did the same thing he did and I was putting together all the clues about Oedipus and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, I'm so smart. I know the classics. And he has that whole thing like Lewis has never heard of um, Sophocles and like being kind of above it. And then finding out he's completely wrong. <laughs> and he's disappointed, but not like Ugh! about it. He he kind of like goes for a certain he does kind of try and fit facts to his theories, but not super tenaciously like he does adjust based on facts even though he's like oh go go figure out like how richards was in two places at one time because i know richards has (laughs) richards did it yeah yeah Yeah. i think he does get into his head a little bit this I'm way more familiar with Endeavor because Endeavor I've watched like sitting and watching, whereas Morrison Lewis I watched while working. So it was kind of like, but I know that he went to Oxford and so he's kind of like made fun of by the police a lot because he's like fancy boy and he tends to talk about classics and poetry and opera like more and then like obsess over that and then be wrong. Um. That was something I also thought about with uh, the structure of the show, like not him character wise, but like the show itself is leading us to believe that this is like an Oedipus story, you know, that like it's following all the beats of um, Oedipus Rex. And I feel like I don't know how established the trope of like the mystery watcher you know like trying to sit and solve the mystery themselves is at this time when they're writing this but like it absolutely subverts that because it's like these pieces it's like your puzzle maddie with mom and marianne it's like (laughs) these pieces look like they're gonna fit but like when you try to put them together the edges just don't go kind of still do though that's what's frustrating (laughs) (laughs) this goddamn puzzle yeah that's that's what it is uh but like so i just thought that that was um a cool thing for the show to do and uh it was fun especially for the time yeah i agree with carrie for the subversion thing because i'm gonna i'm gonna be completely honest they did get me with that right in the middle of the episode. I genuinely thought this was going to be like an Oedipus thing and go into some dark directions. They were a step ahead of me at one point. Thematically, by the way. <laughs> I uh, I am a little bit... Okay, I'm going to be completely honest. There are some parts about the mystery that still confuse me. I'm wondering if I could walk through this thing step by step with you guys. If you guys could notice something that I've missed. Please, Katie. Do. Yeah, Katie had the exact same thought yesterday because we did watch it together. 
Uh, we did not discuss it. Katie tried. I shut her down. I um, just said one thing. God. And then you kept trying. And I was like, no. No, thanks. <laughs> I stopped talking Because I you. truly, at the end, I was like, I'm not even 100% sure I know who did it. Yeah. Or okay. what happened. Yeah. So, Max. So, yes. So, you, you what, I, what I think happened just based on everything presented for us. Inspector Morse is interested in Anne Stavely. Anne Stavely lives at her place. Anne Stavely is pregnant with, I think, Alan Richards' kid? Yeah. Yes. Then, Anne Stavely legitimately dies by suicide. Yes. Yes. Then, first person into the house. Because she's depressed about the pregnancy and then Alan's like ignoring her. Yes. She loves him. He's married to someone else. Right. Cool. So, first person into the house. Jackson, the creepy handyman. What yep. he steals from the house is the suicide letter. Then the second person into the house, Ned Murdoch. He's the lawyer. He steals money. Third person into the house. The lawyer student, Carrie. Yeah. Yes, the lawyer student. Uh, third person into the house, uh, Adele Richards, which is Alan Richards' wife, the person that Anne was having an affair with. She finds a bunch of love letters, burns them leaves so that's those she finds the three the, people wait, in the house she finds the body also though right and she also she, does yeah she might she takes the she finds the she goes to confront her maybe probably yes. I, feel I mean that part is irrelevant but anyway but then she so yeah she, she finds the love letters to burn them to protect her husband i guess yeah Anne is upstairs in the house at the time that morse comes in morse doesn't look too closely into this situation he notices the car outside, which is how he traced everything with a parking ticket. Then Anne leaves. Yeah, no, Adele. Ad- Anne Adele, is dead. Sorry, Adele. Adele leaves. There's a lot of A names in this thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Adele leaves with her husband, Alan Richards' car. Okay. Yes. Then the Richards get a letter. The Richards get a call from. No. They get a blackmail note. They get a blackmail blackmail note from George Jackson. Yes, no. The yes, creepy. Ned. This is okay. Ned wrote the blackmail letter. Ned wrote the blackmail letter. Oh, I didn't understand yeah. that but, then. Oh, yes, he did. So just kidding. Ned wrote the blackmail letter, but then did George know about it? I don't think so. I think he just called, like, as. A w- like that was his blackmail the phone call so he called and then when he found out there was a letter he was like oh what are you yeah to okay yeah. sure that was me right okay. okay oh that makes sense because the letter okay. asked for a thousand and yet when he got uh what got on the phone they were like we'll give you 250 and jackson was like yeah that works yeah so then so then jackson shows up okay so then the Richards, they pay it off. 250 they have an audio empire. They drop off, yeah. and then they leave. With uh, Alan Richards staying behind, probably hidden somewhere. Jackson is an amateur blackmailer, so obviously he leaves immediately after the package is dropped off and picks it up. And then he goes home. And Tony, f- uh, not Tony, Alan follows him. Alan follows him. Yeah. Jackson gets home. Jackson is then killed when he's clobbered over the head by Alan. 
Yes. Well, Tony is pretending to be Alan giving a lecture. Yes. Right. Okay. Because it's so. still the late 80s and you can kind of get away with faking yourself a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my main question is this. What was Alan Richards <laughs> so afraid of with the blackmail note? I thought about this afterwards because I was like, why would they kill George? But yes, I think it's the reputation of them and their company. The fact that this woman got pregnant by one of them, refused to help her, was ignorant to her. Then she took her own life because of the Richards. Like, and she wrote about that in her Letter. That is such an example of twisted priorities. I don't want the public to know I bone down outside of my marriage, so I'm going to murder a guy. Yeah, in the attempt to hide it all. You know, like obviously the public wouldn't condone murder, but no you know, never finds out. say that an affair was bad. Yeah. No. And I think you're seeing it a little from a modern lens where affairs are terrible, but happen, unfortunately, a lot. And apparently it's okay now for your president to do it all the time. Former president, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <But> Biden. Like, <laughs> in the, allegedly, um, in the 80s. No, we know that the former president had affairs. Okay. It is It is yeah. written historical record i still think even in the 80s people know murder is worse than dipping it okay they do they do but if the choice was they find out about neither that's what the brothers want their company is built upon their reputation it is i don't want to call it a family company but like they're the two at the head you know if they're seen as dirty old men you know like (laughs) it's the richards music company and they're the richards yeah if they're if they're like downgraded in the public opinion they will lose money yeah and it might just be an extreme reaction because Let's see. Adele would have been the one to find her body and then tell them. So they probably were just a little bit like, oh, no. And then they find out about the blackmail letter, which then pushes them into. Like safe mode, protect mode. So having a like a a baby out of wedlock is like a very bad thing in the UK. I feel like back then, maybe back then, probably. Yeah. And still, I mean, now it's not uh, crazy unheard of, obviously, but... Yeah, but they're still very focused still on, like, bloodlines and class and stuff. It's a, definitely a caste system, almost. <laughs> not almost, is. Kind of, yeah. Anyway, so that's... that. I think you are correct, Mac, about all of those steps. All right, good. I'm just making sure that I had it all on lock, because I got confused about the disparity think... between crime and punishment. There's a... This is what I remember from the from watching Inspector Morse. They're very complicated. And I think it the show is trying to be more than the traditional mystery show of the time, which I can't it even think of. It was too complicated and too long. Like too too uh too long, too confusing. What is it? 
too too complicated. Oh. Too no. fast, too furious? Too long. <laughs> no, to I'm talking about like the um, Oh yeah, TLDR. The, um a reproductive rights bill or something. Or maybe it was a healthcare bill. Oh. Yeah, the yeah, guy he was didn't like too it. too long, too confusing too or long. something. And his whole job was to read the healthcare bill or something. I don't know who you're talking about. It was a really cool joke, and yeah, everybody I think... just needs to know that, and we can move on. I think you have a little bit of modern recency bias in terms of thinking it's long and boring. But also, <laughs> I agree with you. It does feel yeah. a little bit long and old. Like, watch, there's a reason I watched these while I was at work, and it's because... Watching an hour and 45 minutes of a show from the 80s. I mean, Carrie knows. Murder, she wrote, can feel long and boring. And Not those are boring. Only I guess minutes. I shouldn't say that. It did feel like it was too long, and that kind of swayed it towards feeling kind of boring. Complicated? No, it was kind of like, you're just like, yeah. this could be over. Or this didn't <laughs> need to take that long. I I would be okay. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed watching it though, and following. I mean, we'll talk the mystery. Like they're good at clues. There we were like, there was a lot of them, and they all mostly fit together. <laughs> like, yeah, like we. If it was just a straight A to B, they follow a clue and find the answer. Like it could be shorter, but they go down false paths. We've complained about that. That's why I liked this. Like when you yeah. watch a castle, it's like A to B to C to D. And this was like A to B to C. Oh, but that's wrong. So we have to go back to B. But then we have to take a side sideways bar. Yeah, we go to B uh, subsection A. But like, <laughs> and like, I feel like Maddie. I swear you were with me. The reason I started watching Endeavor is because you, Mom, and I were sitting in the bonus room, and we started watching a show on PBS like right after it started, and it was about like a member of the royal family coming to visit some company making rockets in the 60s they were making like some sort of something and we all got really into it and we watched the whole thing but we were a little confused <laughs> like that's completely possible and i think i have zero of memory of it i'm genuinely this is probably 10 years ago like there's nine series of endeavor there's a lot so okay so when morse is following this case like it's not really his case at first he really liked Anne, and like happened upon the crime scene and he was a suspect for a little bit as well because like he was supposed to pick Anne up before this choir concert um but she uh died by suicide the morning of so he was in her apartment when she was um no longer alive and he didn't see her obviously and then so he left but he was seen to be there so yeah he, he was a suspect for a little bit he started this investigation prior to his official commission into this investigation like the police department had to figure out that morse was on the case from jackson the guy who keeps rabbits and just a filthy, filthy house. This filthy, filthy <laughs> and mind. smells like fish. Smells like and fish. And whose, whose idea of the best circumstance to blackmail somebody is from inside a phone booth that is being used as a soccer ball target. 
that was so obnoxious. I love to those me. shithead kids. I love. Them. I was really annoyed. I was, I was like, like, man, oh, I want my for him to yell at them. Having like he's doing business in there, and they're just kicking a soccer ball. The fact that he didn't yell at them, I think, makes that a much funnier circumstance because it's like, I'm gonna blackmail a CEO, but I'm also lower on the food chain than the neighborhood teens. He was a low-down character, for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, do you want to know who played him? Uh, somebody from Doctor Who, I know. The second Doctor. Uh, that guy. What? Yeah. And this is oh. post-Doctor Who. Which is kind of, I was like, I like that he played this total creep of a man. Yeah. Like, the first time we see him, he's peeping on Anne across the way with binoculars. What a creep. And he smells like fish. The worst. Well, you can smell like fish. And and you can probably smell like worse (laughs) things than fish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I like that they allowed you, like, we figured that out. So when Morse went into the thing in the telephone box and was like is there a fish and chip shop near here and the kid the cop is like no must be a guy oh it smells like fish and then you see the fish yeah Yeah. Uh, i didn't connect yeah that's like it's subtle some of these clues they're putting in are real yeah like he goes in it smells like fish it was turned to the page for the emergency services so like we presumably george is who called the like i don't know why he waited so long but well i don't think he yeah that's true he'd have to be the first he'd have to at least be there before adele because she she was searching through the place enough to find love letters so no, she yeah. likely would have taken the, the f- note as well he we know he was the first one in because carrie because i actually watched the first 25 minutes of this twice because i Started watching it, and I well, I texted Carrie, like, I'm going to watch it if you want to join. And then I didn't hear from her, so I started. And then 20 minutes in, she was like, I'm here. Can I watch? And I was like, fine. So the first time I saw it, I thought we were seeing the suicide note in her hand. But the second time I realized we were seeing her suicide note, because we had seen her stationary at the beginning, the blue stationary. Yeah. We see it with George. We saw it in George's hand, because it was hanging in front of the TV. So we're seeing... He's holding a piece of her stationery. Like, you can put tr- this together. I tried pausing it on that because I was like, there's something important about, about doing this that piece too. of paper in his hands. Yeah. But I couldn't read her handwriting. Yeah. You're not supposed to. You have like, to have more just... clarified handwriting on those <laughs> kinds of notes, Anne. I thought you were a teacher. They don't yeah, tell no you everything. I appreciate this. Like, so we find out the thing about she's made four copies of her That's key. That's crazy. Right? And we yeah. know yes. George has one, Ned has one, she has one, and I guess presumably Alan has one. Right? Yeah. But they don't presumably. ever spell that out. You kind of have to figure that out. And then Alan, whoever said they were in her apartment, said that her door was open. It was always open. So it's like, why even? Well, that is because the the like double person thing, because that was Tony saying that. Like oh, every time we yeah, see, yeah. every time we see a Richards in this, it's Tony. It's Until not the very Alan. End. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So like he's pretending to be Alan before even yeah. any of like for whenever a long he time. meets. Well, yeah. By the way, so when 
when he talks to him in the office, he's still pretending to be Alan. Carrie. What? Near the end, when I turned to you, like, all excited, and then I was like, never mind, and I turned back. Do you remember? No. I genuinely was like, oh my god, what if they're twins? And I turned to you, and I was like, ha! And then it cut to them waiting in the car outside the apartment near the end, and they were clearly not twins, and I was like, ah, Dan. But then they kind of were, because they switched places, at least. Yeah, but, like, everybody, like, they... I got excited because I thought they were twins and I was wrong, but kind of right. The yeah, I mean, like it could have worked um, because like Adele was playing along; she was she knew about the switch, but everyone else would have been. I wonder why do you think she fooled? Put her. She was so freaked out about that umbrella. Just like another clue to say maybe she's the one who was there. No, I think it. Uh, maybe she did. She forget the umbrella at her house and then pick it up later. There was an umbrella on the stairs at Anne's house. Yeah. And a coat. It was, I think it was Adele left her coat and umbrella on the stairs while she went up to look for letters. That's what Moore saw. Oh. Yeah. Yes. And then he left because he, like, she didn't answer. And I guess he was like, well, I got to go. Yeah. I think he assumed they were Anne. So he was there while Adele was there. And then presumably, I guess I was just like, why would Adele wake up in the middle of the night and then have to put the umbrella back in her car but maybe, maybe it was just from alan that she'd been there maybe and i also thought it would maybe a visual clue just for us to be like oh she was the one who was there but why yeah, yeah. um so in addition to the richards being weird and taking each other's places uh <laughs> we also have um heroin addict ned who like we potentially thought was Anne's child and was not, or a lover, or both. Yes. <laughs> both was yeah. the thing that threw a wrench into it. Yeah, I thought yeah, kind of lover, and then later son, and then both, and then yeah, also. I kind of yeah. abandoned the idea of lovers the second we saw Ned's roommate, or at the very least Ned's room, because I called him being gay just from that moment. Really? What was it? I I saw it from that photo. Yeah, I was... There was, like, a Greco-Roman wrestling photo up on the <laughs> wall. There was the notion that, like, his roommate had an intimate idea of what his schedule was. There oh, was I didn't like, get that at all, but I think I just assumed if you're at Oxford, everyone's just got classic shit everywhere. So you're going to say everyone at Oxford is gay. <laughs> I mean, maybe that too. <laughs> I don't know. I thought the wrestling thing was on Morse's wall. No, it was in his. It was in Ned's apartment. There was, there was a, just an atmosphere of closeness that I I could tell from Ned's apartment life and his roommate. See, I there's there's that, but then I get that confused a lot with like the British male school vibe. Maybe, maybe, but the other thing that gave me this little bit of a hint was when we saw a quick scene of Ned going to get more stuff from his dealer, there was yeah. like a like a gay slur written on the wall just before he popped into the frame. Really? No, it wasn't. Wait, it said no, gay it was... lib. Oh, that's it. It I was a big that. sign. It said gay lib. Well, like it kind, it was almost the same color as the wall itself, and then there was like a male yeah. female symbol. There was just the words "gay lib," and then he pops into the screen, and I was kind of like, 
Maybe they found that actually there as regular graffiti, but I'm choosing to believe they're using that as a hint. I got the vibe from that the roommate might have been gay, but not Ned. And it's specifically just because the roommate's outfit. But Ooh. again, I had to be like, is it just because he's the classics person at Oxford who's in like the sweater vest and tie? Or am I like, am I reading into it? Or yeah. Yeah, vibe. it's the same because vibe. I didn't. So Ned had a very desperate quality about him, but it was because he's a he's addicted to heroin. Like, yeah, I actually forgot I had a question. I need clarification on. Okay, what did Anne have in her medicine cabinet? That was heroin. What? What? That's what I thought. I but why like would she constituted heroin? Well, okay, this was what I don't, the sixties. I think Ned left it there. It was the 60s. You got your medical heroin. It was 87. <laughs> it was yeah. 87. It's your medical cocaine. Um, didn't I mean he said there was a prescription that he had for like the like a methadone, right? Like something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe it, yeah. That was okay. So, I think the... she knew that he was having issues and was like, "I'll help you." She was clearly projecting her maternal vibes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but like yeah. if she opened her medicine cabinet and saw that it hadn't been used, then he would be getting his drugs from somewhere else. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. I just called it spooky perfume. <laughs> For a second, I thought it was like something to do with her pregnancy. Like, is it something she was given to maybe terminate it by Alan or something? And then they never went into anything. Yeah, I don't know. But I kind of appreciate that about Morse is that it's not always an answer. It's not spoon-fed. Yeah. It requires, like, paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, thinking. Um, maybe I'm bad at that now, and that's why I think it looks too long <laughs> and maybe just a touch boring. <laughs> you just got to watch. I mean, I was thinking about, Mac, what our exports are in terms of crime dramas, and it's probably just, like, Law & Order is big. And CS, I mean, all the procedurals, you know, CSI, NCIS, um, Castle, yeah, Law and Order. But I don't know how much they're exported across the pond, except for Law and Order, I know is big, but anyway, I don't know. I've been thinking about that. Maybe it's um, less imaginative when the answer is always the bad guys are a bunch of bad people that live in this one room, and you just need to charge into that room with guns in order to solve the bad problem. yeah oh man um okay do we want to talk about anything else before notes i think we caught we covered yeah no i'm good okay i'm good Uh, let's do max notes first i don't know what those chop shop guys meant when they saw a guy drive up in a red jaguar and say it's a panda. Yeah. A panda is a cop. Oh, because black, okay. black and white. It's a British thing. But here's the thing: the guy didn't shout "It's a cop" until the cop came out and like handcuffed him to the car. He said, "It's a panda." I think a panda is an is a cop. I think it's British slang for a cop. But it was before. He saw like cop cops. He but just saw more people can just jag. know. Let me. I'm gonna Google it. You can keep going. All right, cool. Uh, so 
I would say the first scene we saw between Inspector Morris and Anne Stavely definitely had a little bit of that, oh, he's walking her home. Oh, she's not entirely thrilled about it because, like, I heard, like, in the dialogue just underneath the music where she was like, oh, you know, it's it's fine. I should be able to get home on my own. And I'm just kind of like, he's not paying close attention to her saying that she wants to walk herself home. And then the thing that drove the nail into that coffin for me was he briefly mentioned like, oh, you still love on such and such, right? And she goes, yeah, how did you know? Somebody ignoring me saying that I want to walk home by myself and then knowing where I live is immediately my red flag. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It reminded me of that one Doctor Who episode where the basic romantic premise between two of the main characters were, oh, he followed me home that one time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was in... Uh, one of the Christmas episodes. I want to say Blink. Oh. That's an old one. I don't know. It's one of the Christmas. It's the Christmas episodes where they retreat people. Katie, do you find anything out about those pa- pandas? I did. The term panda car is a British slang term that refers to a police car, particularly one that is used for patrolling. And it's specifically based on Manchester City Police Ford Cortina patrol cars or Salford City Police. And they use black and white cars. Um, And they are still so they still call on that, even though. So I don't know how they knew it was a police car, but maybe I will say Morse is very famous for driving that. Maybe they knew he was a cop and drove around in a Jaguar. Yeah. <laughs> like, Fair point. Um, and one more thing about your thing. Morse in the show is kind of like always flirting with women, which felt weird watching it because it just felt like, which is ageist of me, I 100% admit. Like, it's a known thing that he's always flirting with women and he might take them out, but then he always ends up alone. It's like a thing. So I don't think I... I see where you could see it's a red flag, but I want to clarify that most of the time he's flirting with women who are receptive to him. Like, I don't think she was actually saying that. I think you're saying how we might respond today, maybe? Katie's a British creep man apologist. No, I'm just right. saying. So he's constantly flirting with people, and they're mostly receptive. The fact. No, I do think that she did say that she liked him. Yeah. She just had this obsession with this guy she worked with. Yeah. The fact that they find Morse breaking into a crime scene wearing all black leather, and the step after that was let's bring him to a bar. Gives me real <laughs> ACAB vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I like that Lewis was like, I need you to tell me exactly what you're doing before I tell everyone what you're doing. Uh, my next one, I've already mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. George Jackson. If you are blackmailing somebody and they drop the blackmail money off at a location, you got to give that a solid like two minutes before you come out from the cover. And if your cover is a small patch of two foot tall grass, the best method of transportation is not a bike. You prop up in the middle of that grass. (laughs) I can see you, you weird man with holes in your sweater. You forgot about the giant orange pole. Yeah, he had an orange umbrella. That too. He had that. So I was surprised that they had methadone back then. 
but it, I, I shouldn't be I don't know if that was exactly that. Well, it, yeah. I don't know. The fact that they had addiction meds back in the Reagan era is something <laughs> that I found this intriguing. Is yeah, well, Reagan wasn't their president. He's the world's president. Not my president. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and my final one. You guys might push back on this one, but I'm I'm sticking through to it. For an episode that centralizes itself around a pair of millionaire like audio processing guys, this episode has terrible audio mixing, both in the music and ADR. That is not the content of the show has nothing to do with the performance of their audio people. Right, okay. I just wanted to bring up the fact that their audio was abysmal, and every time there was music on there, it distracted me from uh, people talking just because of its sheer volume. And let's not forget the many, many times that it was very clear that sometimes things were shot on site, and the audio wasn't fixed, so things sounded a little bit echoey. And sometimes things sounded a little bit too home-recorded. Yeah. That's, I think, common for many of the of at the time i'm just used to anything recorded probably before 2000 just sounding like that yeah i didn't even notice it i didn't even <laughs> i didn't notice it either there's only one time i noticed it and it's when the second time you see the quote-unquote secretary that turns out to be adele i was like oh they shot this without the woman even being there because it never the camera never turned to her and i thought they were just being disrespectful to the woman but it's because they were trying to hide the fact that adele was pretending to be the secretary yeah. But I was like, this is clearly an ADR. Like <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's all my eggs in the basket. Um, Maddie. All my eggs in the basket. Um, do you want me to go over the notes for this show? <laughs> um, save the other ones for later. Yeah, we can save the other ones for later. There's only four anyway. Okay. Um uh we already kind of talked about, but I, I miss choir. And I said, mm. oh, that lady. And then um, Julian. She's in um, Bridget, <laughs> Bridget Jones' Jones. diary. She's the mom. Yeah. Um, and I said, oh, to be in a pub after choir. I just really like that aesthetic, you know, and that, you know. Yeah. Maybe I do uh, long a little bit for the quaint English life where you can go to your job as a piano teacher and then um go to choir go to the pub go home were you thinking that when they were like leaving the pub and it was like that street with all of like it was kind of like close and cobblestoney and like i think it's outside the ashmolean i was thinking of it more in the pub okay because i thought the exact same thing when they were like leaving and it was like really cute that would be really but do you actually just miss living in a walkable community? Because that might be it. <laughs> that, Both. I mean, it's A, walkable community, B, being able to have enough time outside of work for any sort of social socialization after work. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't know, just having a community. Yeah. Being yeah. close to people. Yeah. It made me miss choir, too. Ah, uh, the spoiled boomers. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and um, I thought that uh Jackson was her landlord because he had the key, 
And I was like, this is another layer of grossness. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote Ned is a shit. And then I um, wrote like times two. And then he was a shit again. And I said times three. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's just not a very nice person. Like, I feel bad for him. But also he's he steals money. He's uh, I mean, he's mean to Morris, but whatever um he's mean to the pharmacist he like yeah. swipes all over all the stuff off the counter yeah i really didn't like that that was like, two that was one recording smartphone away from it being like a male karen video <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a name and he's for just like Karens. kind of a, a big whiny baby and it's i didn't chads. like it chad's is a huh? different thing yeah okay. chad is... there's a male karen name but i can't remember what it is it's it's not Chad. <laughs> um, then I got mad, you know, they're touching everything and then like dusting for fingerprints later. Yeah. yeah. Like they're just touching all over the walls and then they dust, dust for fingerprints and then they're like, well, I feel as a fingerprint person, I would be very <laughs> mad. I don't think they dust the walls for prints. Well, that's their mistake. Yeah. Like they should. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know why Morris never mentions Ned to, like, Belle was in charge of the investigation. And they're like, she lived alone. And I was like, Ned obviously kind of lives here some of the time, maybe. Yeah. I was very confused about, like, I thought it was Ned's bedroom. Me and too. it was Anne's. It was just... I was in the beginning, but that's because they don't spell it out. Yeah. It was strange and confusing. Yeah. Um, and I think I didn't realize it was Oxford until you said, but I was like, I think I've been to that college. I feel like I recognize that <laughs> courtyard that has you kind of like have. the, um, yeah, the windows on the side. When to you're be going fair, in. a lot of those courtyards look like that. I'm not sure if we were at that specific one, but I thought the same thing, but I was like, that seems familiar. And it tickled a little part of my memory um and then uh this poor roommate um who's just like standing there um and being forced to witness this fight between <laughs> ned and morris um and he just has he's to like i really would like to go and ned's like no you stay here <laughs> yeah um morris is kind of a dick yeah like to to lewis like he like, Lewis had, like, a really good theory. I forget what it was, but um, it sounded plausible, and Morse was like, wah. Yeah. He just makes fun of it. Um, And then they, at the end, just kind of blatantly didn't use, like, didn't have a warrant to find that note. And I'm like, that's not going to be admissible in court. Maybe yeah. things were different over there, but I'm like, if you get something by illegal search and seizure you cannot use that in court so are you talking about the suicide note yeah they uh they originally the searched for that note at the like richard's oh, the blackmail. office the blackmail note at the office they yeah at the office in. they like they they barge in they search um and then um yeah they she did even find says, it there, like actually. yeah they don't have a warrant and my last note is uh, a bit long <laughs> <laughs> uh katie um, Anthony Minghella. Have he's very familiar to me. 
No? Okay. I think he's done movies, like British movies. Um, He apparently wrote or directed this. I can't remember. I do like that this is in Oxford. I hate to bring up Sex in the City, but Oxford is like a third character in this show. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> Morse and Lewis and Oxford. And I do love an Oxford college. And it was just kind of, but I liked that it was just like there and it wasn't like venerated, you know? Yeah. It was like, they, they just live there. Um, I still love that tea is just such a thing in England that both times you saw Bell, he's like carrying a thermos and he's got tea. Every single time someone enters a house, they offer tea. Like Anne is like, yeah, I just, it just adds that Britishness. Um, I appreciate, I really enjoyed the costumes. I felt they were real and lived in. I'm specifically talking about George's gross sweater. And then also Ned had some like unraveling. So it felt just real. And I, I appreciated that. I thought that the sweater that Jackson had kind of looked like fake worn in because you could tell in the end it was kind of like cut. Like there, it was like s- straight triangles. It did feel a little like theater dirty. Yeah. But I kind of just forgave it. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. It was cool. Um, I don't like that they, they were kind of setting up Belle to be kind of like a bad cop and not that he's bad but he's just like that's the reason he gets the promotion over Morse is he like fills out the paperwork and he says the right things to people and blah 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 and then they're setting up Morse to be like he's the one who actually follows the rule like or follows the clues and he's the renegade and Belle is the by the book yeah um Mac you didn't happen to look up what a thousand pounds would be from 1987 to today have you dang it no I didn't 1987? Keep talking. 1987, 1,000 pounds. Um, it was just really depressing to see George's dead body with blood just all over porn magazines. It just was, was a really... really even though he was a gross man, it just was a really sad end to this guy. Yeah, and like the fact that he got a windfall and was like, you know what I'm going to buy with this? Porn magazines and beer. Porn. porn and beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, what a life. Maddie, every time they asked Morse, how's your head? I really wanted him to be like... No complaints. Some- yeah, no complaints. <laughs> really good. Like, very RuPaul's Drag Race. And he never did, and it made me disappointed. <laughs> Mac? Uh, that much money would be about $4,500 today. So not insubstantial, but not Which a lot feels, for a big company. Yeah, it, it feels, it doesn't feel like it would be enough to like say, okay, so I imagine they killed Jackson because they were also like, this guy lives with rabbits and empty beer bottles. He's not keeping his mouth shut no matter how much money we give him. But also killing somebody over $4,500 doesn't seem They're rational. They're not good. They weren't killing him over $4,500. They were killing him over a reputation-destroying secret. I know, but they should know. If I have blackmail material on a millionaire, you bet I'm asking for more than what would be needed to buy a used Kia Sorento from 2005. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you're looking at? No. God. (laughs) 
Just checking. Even um, I have standards. <laughs> it was weird that Ned is short for Edwin. Yeah. Like, I never thought about that. Um, like, what did you think it was Doc? Nedward? <laughs> I literally was like, I've never thought about it, but I guess Edwin is better than Nedward. <laughs> so, okay. Um, when they said that whatever was signed for by A. Richards, I was like, well, clearly it was Adele and not Alan. Like, that was easy. Um, okay. This I'm confused by because when Moore sees Belle originally... Um, at the crime scene, Belle yes. says something like, "Suicides are up the, like this time of year, or like there you see more of this this time of year." Yeah. And later on, they say it's June 11th, and I'm like, "Why would they be up at the beginning of summer? Like finals have already happened." We may get the grades back, guys. Maybe Fourth of July is coming up. They know what they've <laughs> missed out on. <laughs> I'm wow. sure that's exactly what it is. We lost the colonies. Ugh, I just miss I just the colonies so much. <laughs> um, I did appreciate Morse's kind of humor to himself when he asks Lewis, like, or when Lewis is like, do I know Sophocles? And Morse is like, only if you loved your mother. And then like kind of laughs to himself. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. And he wasn't really that conscious. Con- no condescending about it like he was a little bit but yeah. um that local pub is extremely depressing <laughs> yeah that they went to a few it times it looks like someone's living room yeah it's literally i've seen a couple rooms like that and things like in the flesh and stuff where they have it, it's like a kfc hall but with beer uh, that's open all the time it just it reminded that me vibe. of have, i don't know if you guys ever went to that one very tiny thai restaurant in port huron yeah, it was there the for a Star. while. Yeah, Bangkok Star. It was one room with like plastic laminated walls and definitely a lot of like we hung up Christmas lights to decorate our restaurant. They made good Thai food, but it definitely felt like that, a mafia front. It was yeah. I look, I loved the wings I bought there. Some of the best Thai wings I have ever had in my life. Been chasing that high ever since i never <laughs> want to sit in that booth again oh no no i've not i never ate there it was so i weird. did because i was like i've got a couple of hours and i i go to college oh, I you went to here. school there yeah yeah i went to college near there so i was like you know what maybe i will go out and get some food and then i dedicated myself to sitting down at the restaurant and i was like oh no there are, you had already committed. There are three <laughs> staff members and one customer, and it's me. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. That's weird. Um, When Alan Richards ran out of the piano room, I was like, where are you going to go? You can't just disappear forever. Like, then yes, people are. Well, I guess so, but then people definitely know. Yeah. Um, just get on a boat. And I was sad about the Jaguar getting hit again. Um, and my last note that we haven't covered is when Morse kept trying to tell people what happened or like lay it out he just kept saying Richards and I'm like which Richard we've established now that there's two of them and I don't know which one you're talking about and that's three why I, I guess yeah three there's three Richards so at the end that's why I turned to Carrie and I was like I think I know what happened but I'm not 100% sure and I 
I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, yeah, I think it was like confusing on purpose. Because yeah. one did a murder, one did an identity theft, and another one did a tampering with a crime scene, and I need to know which one's going on, Morse. Yeah, I don't know. That's all my notes. Okay. Um, the like the very first shot was like them singing choir stuff, and it looked like it was at a church. It um, could have been a church. It could have yeah. been a room with some murals. So I was like, the ubiquity of churches and the time periods that it could apply to are many and i was just it was a very uh the idea just happened upon me and i was like I, this could be anything i had a point similar to that in one of our earlier episodes where i was like because of a lot of the like timeless way in which we tend to picture british architecture we don't know when things are i mean you just mentioned oxford Oxford was established before the Aztec Empire, so if something takes place at, like, one of their oldest halls, when the hell is this? Yeah. On the other know. show I watched, um, the <laughs> house that, uh, like, the main, not main people, but, like, kind of the, the victim's family lived in was very Elizabethan, um, but it was about, um, like, a Comic-Con that was in town so and it was very weird <laughs> i kind of love that sometimes about midsummer murders is they're like hey this brewery is on an ancient monastery <laughs> and there's some stuff from the 1400s here and also a cardboard cutout of a man or a monk holding beer going like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so that was an interesting thought I was excited about the jag. Like, I like that, like, the first shot you see of it is the hood ornament. And it's just yeah. like, we're not here. Like, that's cool. What's it like? Um, the What? They were like, we're not here. No, I got it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I thought Maddie wanted me to do it again. I, yeah, if you wanted to do it again, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's interesting that there's a paint fight at this shop because it's the second... Uh, crime procedural that's had a paint fight in a car paint shop that I've seen in recent past. I was like, that's a very effective weapon. You know, just like I have an aerosol paint thing and I'm going to spray it in your face. Like, what other show? Um, Moonlighting. Oh, oh. I was like, not one we covered. Okay. Oh, no. I thought it's you were going shows. to say Home Alone 3. No. no. I did recognize the Bodleian Library because yeah. it's at Oxford and it's a round building. And I was like, I know that. Well, it's part. Um, of, it's called the Radcliffe Camera, which is part of the library. Okay. Um, I was just really confused about Ned and who he was and his presence there. Like, I wrote, who the fuck's Ned I'm anyway? I'm kind of confused. <laughs> um, like, how did they get mixed up together? She's, she's a, a piano, piano teacher. teacher. He's a music guy who wants to be a lawyer. Maybe his he dad wants him to be a lawyer. Yeah, uh, and she has a piano that he can practice on. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a thing about Belle being like just wanting to like get things over with, or uh, like just not being a good cop or something. So like I had wrote like Lewis spinoff because I was gonna double check and see if he was the spinoff, and then I wrote no spinoff for Belle. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, no way. 
Did you guys see uh, the guy in the leather jacket playing with that pink yo-yo? Yeah, I thought he was going to come yes. up. Yeah. That he was very so prominently like there and never came back. Yeah. Just a very yeah. um, arresting like, background actor. Yeah. <laughs> and like he he looked like yo-yo. he was like a cool kid, you know, like but like not even a kid, like 18, maybe 20. I okay, so sometimes I love projecting into these background characters because there's so much of of a better story. I want to know about the shithead kids who kept kicking the soccer. Like, were they having a stand by me situation where they were just kind of like, let's see how much we can piss off like Rabbit George? Oh, mm. oh. the I rabbits hate that are I fine. feel bad for him because he's a creep. <laughs> I know, uh, but he's still a human being. I guess. Um. Morris needed a rug in his place to really tie that room together. <laughs> um, that's kind of something, I don't know if it was just me, but I thought that they made a lot of um, nonverbal commentary about people and their lives based on their living spaces. Like, Anne talks a lot about, like, her place and, like, oh, it's such a mess, but it's not a mess. And then... There's Morse and his apartment just like by himself and like the he has like a liquor cart and his um, record player and art on the walls and stuff and just the um, interactions people strewn have. about what his clothes were strewn about. Yeah. Yeah. And then like Ned's place, which was like a wreck. Um, so. That was something that I thought was interesting and cool. It was good just... visual storytelling that's showing, not telling. Yeah, but it but, but there was even some like telling, you know, like Anne comment Anne commented on her place, and then yeah. um, I don't think there like there was like from Morse he was like sorry it smells like a liquor ca- like yeah. cabinet or something. something like, about the c- cigarettes or cigar pipes and beer. Yeah. Or- yeah, but like so, there was just a lot of a and lot it's of morning. That. Yeah, but like the it, it really not healthy. informed their characters, like yeah. their the, the places that they lived. Agreed. Are you looking at your own place, Mac? I can see you moving your head. Around. Yeah, no. Everything you just said about Morris's place is something that I have within like ten feet of me. But you also have other things like the Audrey too. That and is true. He doesn't have a giant carnivorous plant that is still decorated from Christmas. Damn, I gotta take that stuff down. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. Like the the storytelling that they have about people and the places that they live. And yeah. it kind of made me really want to cultivate my own living space, but I can't. Because there's people that live there. Um, Damn those people. Yeah. Uh, what does it mean to repoint a back wall? I thought maybe it was repaint, thing. but and it I, was bad. I thought he said repoint. He did. Or, I heard repoint. I thought he meant repaint. I wonder if no. it's something to do with just old houses. Like some of the houses in England are two, three, four hundred years old, and I wonder. Like some people have to thatch their roofs still. I'm wondering if maybe it's a way of like replastering stuff that's like horse plaster <laughs> i don't know i'll google it yeah um also katie did you know what uh a two and a half license is 
Um, the subtitles were incorrect. It's an off license. Oh. So you would say an off license is a place where you can go buy. It's like a corner store, basically a party store, a liquor store. Ah. So like, did you guys ever go with me to my um, dorm when I lived there? Yeah. There were yeah. two kind of Once. off licenses literally across the street from each other. And I feel like I took one of you there, but maybe not. But it's like you go get, mm-hmm. you can get beer, wine, soda. We like got ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. That would be an off license. Okay. He uh, just, the subtitles were wrong. Yeah. Uh, there were, like, the, the second um, dead body, which was Jackson, there were a lot of onlookers. And it was, like, nighttime. And those people must have just had such boring lives. Or nothing better to do. Like, maybe there was nothing on TV, but... It looked like everybody that in that neighborhood was just out gawking yeah. at all the cops. Carolyn uh, Rose Maudry O'Brien. <laughs> I remember a time when a number of us had to wait around for hours because somebody wanted to meet a very wet actor as he was filming a tornado movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I okay. didn't have anything better to do. And also there was only like four people there. Yeah. Were you there body. when she actually met him? Or uh, were you there a different day? I was there a different day. Okay. I was there, yeah, because I was like, I feel like I was the day, the, the day you met him because I felt bad. You were, yeah. Because you and I were waiting and what's his face? Jeremy, Peter Pan kid. Yeah. Sumter? Sumter, yeah. He, it, he walked kind of near us. Like, like we were waiting for him, and I kind of had to be shake my head and be like, we're not waiting for you. <laughs> like, oh, wow. But luckily, like, there were two girls That's behind weird. us who, like, kind of, like, were like, oh, my God. And, like, because they knew him from Friday Night Lights or something. And so he kind of moved over there. and Because yeah. I was like, if he comes up and then Richard Armitage just walks us by because we're talking to Jeremy Sumter, Carrie's going to be so sad. Aw. <laughs> so... What a life. But I literally felt really bad because he looked really awkward. And I was like, I'm so sorry. He, um, you're like, scram, get out of here. And many other things. <laughs> I hope so. I waved at um, the other guy, too, who I knew. Mark Mark Walsh? Matt Walsh? I think Matt, it was Walsh. Matt Walsh. I, um, okay. I've had a different view of celebrity lately where I'm just kind of like, I don't ever want to meet one. Because not only is there, like, the idea that the celebrity doesn't know how much I would know them... There's also that expected level of, what's it called, parasocial relationship, where they've mm. probably encountered so many dudes that are just kind of like, get way too personal, way too quickly. So they've had to brace themselves for that. And I'm just over here like, I'm, I'm, I'm backstepping away from that. I don't know what to do. Because I can't be non-personal, but I can't get too personal. Um, I mean, you could always just split the difference and be like, hi, I really like your work. That's Goodbye. what I... I also think... The, yeah. You could also do what I did with my favorite celebrity interaction and do a stage door because they expect it and it's known and they're prepared mentally. Like, I think if you encounter a celebrity in real life, you should leave them alone. They're living their life. But if they're doing press or something where they're kind of being paid... So, like, I waited outside to meet David Suchet and it was one of the best experiences <laughs> oh yeah comic so, cons all the way for me that or the time i did hang out with mark evan jackson and paul F. Tompkins and tech and tony newsome a little bit 
but that was like separate because we knew one of the people in the party. That's not the point. The point is, what's what, what does it mean to repoint a wall? You repoint. The point is a uh, name dropping. It is obviously all the people we've met. Repointing is the process of renewing the pointing in masonry. So it's basically redoing the the masonry and the brickwork, and it's very common apparently. So, like, over time, like, it says weathering can cause the joints in between bricks to kind of fall apart. So, you kind of chunk out bits and pieces and then you remason or, like, you put the little filling in between it, apparently. Okay. Cool. So. Um, yeah, I don't think I had any other big notes. Uh, so, let's do um, the PBS. Um, it was very great like everything 12 to 3 gross <laughs> there were three women great and jill barely made it <laughs> like she had two scenes and didn't get a name until her last one who was jill the secretary the secretary oh, the secretary the real secretary because there were three scenes with a secretary except the second one was adele so yeah but jill finally got a name and otherwise it was anne and her mom literally that's it Wait, Anne, her mom, Adele, and Jill. Oh, I forgot about Adele. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's so four, four to twelve. Four to twelve. Still not the best. Still not great. Like any of those men, like the coroner or the police, any of the police people. Women can be drug dealers too. <laughs> Although I didn't count because yeah, exactly. he didn't really have a name. Um. Okay. So <laughs> let's do our stabs and stars. Wait. Uh, oh, what? never mind. We can do stabs. I wanted to hear Maddie's notes. For okay. the other thing, but uh, we can do that later. Yeah. We wait till the end. Or yeah, no? wait till the end. Stabs and stars, Matt. Go. Stabs seven. Solid placement of everything coming together, but there was still a little, little. There was enough confusion over why did they do this, and also stop saying Richards. We need to know who the real people are in room time. Morse. That <laughs> I, I was willing to dock a few points away from it. Uh, also, the pacing issues with it being a little bit slow are things that I knocked it against. You can say I'm judging a show from the 80s on a modern metric, but that's just how I thought. Uh, stars, I don't think this was the show for me because I put it at five. Okay. Maddie? Stabs. I think they did a good job of putting enough clues in, but um, made it a little bit too convoluted. And not explained, I guess, like how you said they weren't um, differentiating between like Richards and Richards. Um, so stabs, I would say like six, seven, seven, we'll say seven. And then stars, I'll say six. It was fine. Okay. Katie? Um, stabs, I'm going with eight. I do think it all makes sense. Obviously, you had to think of about it a little more but maybe we're just not used to that including me um and stars i would say seven i did enjoy it but it, it is a little bit old older and old-fashioned and yeah okay um for me i'm gonna go stabs seven i like i did like that they had that whole red herring plot line that they didn't like they, they they set it up before explicitly saying it so that the reader would think that they were solving it or not the reader the <laughs> viewer would think that they were solving it and then they completely twisted it back around so i thought that was cool 
Um, and then stars, I'd go six as well. Um, all right, Maddie. So tell what us your, what what are your you, notes for you Midsummer Murders? Midsummer Murders. The what was the name of the episode? Good question. Let me tell you. Um, season twenty, episode three, probably. Oh, did you write it down? No, but I know that I was watching random episode in season twenty. So all right, let's see. Yeah, season twenty, episode four. Oh, close. <laughs> I can't believe it took 90 episodes for this. Time. No, it was it was episode three. Season 20, episode three, Drawing Dead, about a comic festival or a Comic-Con. Um, and it was, I guess, should I, I don't know, give any sort of context for these notes? No. I think no. it's funny. Read out your notes. I'll know. I will throw the headset okay, against the um, wall. All right. Why would you not take the mask off? Ugh, step siblings. Uh allowed but not cool. Um I don't like this narrative comic. Um by the way, I wrote this in the dark on wrapping paper. <laughs> yeah, I think that's um, important to note. <laughs> yeah. I don't like this narrative comics com coma, the coma narrative. Oh, okay, that lady. Um, yeah. Um also someone will kill her. Um <laughs> There's a lady who was waking up from a coma, and this guy ran around being like, she's waking up, she's waking up. And I was like, obviously someone's going to kill her. Yeah. Because she knows something. Yeah. Is this the um, lady who got hit in the head by the horse hoof? Yes. Okay. I remember this. See, also, this there's a yeah, comic and I, Yeah. Um, Barnaby is an ass. Yes. Make dinner, and you connect with... I thought there was a, a character in there who I thought was um, the dude's son but it was just like some random teenager that his wife liked yeah in town um you connect with our son but it wasn't his son <laughs> um and then uh last one was oh slow-mo circle shot <laughs> that's great <laughs> I love what it. would you give stabs it's when and he's stars like looking around the comic huh what were your don't. stabs and stars for that episode <laughs> katie we don't have time for that we don't have time for that <laughs> yeah no that's fine. okay so what are we watching uh, next time we're not watching anything, Mac. We're reading. We're going to read a book. <gasps> yeah. We're going to be literate human beings. Um, you can actually also listen to it if you, I think it's, I forget what it's called, but Phoebe Judge reads books. and Phoebe reads uh, a mystery. Phoebe reads a mystery. It's a podcast. Um, <laughs> so you can listen to it for free. Great. Uh, it's a great podcast. I've listened to a couple Poros. So it's the uh, Arthur Conan Doyle story sherlock holmes story called the valley of fear uh you can read it listen <laughs> to it uh follow along with us next yeah. time on mostly murder but sometimes not thank you guys um you can you can find us in some oh places. shit oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, fine okay so uh we have social media presences you can where be... can they look for us <laughs> you can uh build your parasocial relationship with us on um instagram and twitter and we're also kind of delving into blue sky a little bit but you know we that's do a officially new... have a blue sky account i that's haven't posted thing. anything yet um at mostly murder pod i yes. believe for all of those our gmail address is 
mostly murder but sometimes not at gmail.com our website is mostly murder but sometimes not dot com so you can find us there um for all of the goodies um i don't know great great job (laughs) okay the sloppiest (laughs) outro in the business ladies and gentlemen Uh, she had such a great intro count on us such a great intro i did i'm just off my game today well, there's a little bit of a, a break. There might be a reason. <laughs> yeah, why. we haven't recorded for I've never for months. been less on my game. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all. I guess then this morning. Thank you. All, I <laughs> all right. We're very with. Thanks, everyone. Love uh, you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.